Research Briefs podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Streveler, coming to you from the School of Engineering Education at Purdue University. The goal of Research Briefs is to expand the boundaries of engineering education research. In these podcasts, we'll speak to researchers about new theories, new methods, and new findings in engineering education research. Welcome to a Research Briefs bonus episode. In these episodes, I'll be speaking with new PhDs who are making a difference in their home countries. I'm very excited today to have Dr. Juan David Ortega Alvarez. In this podcast, I'll refer to him as Wanda, which is an abbreviation of Juan David. I was lucky enough to be Wanda's co-advisor during his PhD studies at Purdue. Um, I know that a couple of days ago, he deposited his dissertation. That's correct. And a couple of days from now, he's going to be returning to his home in Medellin, Colombia, and will resume working as a faculty in engineering at his home institution, IFIT. That's and correct. And he's been gone for five years. Yes. Yes. So welcome to Research Briefs, Wanda. Thank you very much, Ruth. Uh, thank you for having me here. Now, obviously, being your advisor, I have a sense of how you came to do your PhD, but your listeners may not know this. Um, Can you tell us a bit about how you came to seek a PhD in engineering education? I I understand you were an engineering faculty member prior to that. Yes, you're right. Um, uh, First, well, uh, I was the fortunate one to find you and have you as my advisor and friend in the past five years. Uh, Now, coming back to the question at hand, I became a full-time faculty member in 2009, uh, back in in Colombia at Universidad de Afit. Um, And then, because of many things that were happening at that time, I ended up becoming the head of the process engineering department. Um, At that point, the university was experiencing a change from being a teaching-oriented institution into doing more and more research and asking their faculty, um, you know, to do more research. And that was not my my strong suit. Uh, As someone who's got a master's in engineering from a German university, applied science university, and um, seven plus years of uh, background in industry, I joined university because I really wanted to teach and share the experience that I had. And all of a sudden, I am uh, in the middle of this movement towards more research, something that at that point was really um, uh, an unknown for me. So the university, when they hired me, they were clear enough to let me know we expected to get a PhD eventually. Uh, we like what you have done, we like your background, but we are moving in this direction, so it only makes sense you get a PhD. Um, but then again, uh, as I became the head, that plan of getting a PhD got postponed. and. It got me time to think, well, if I'm going to do a PhD, what would be a good area that I, that I would like to you know, invest my time and effort into? Um, so first, a couple of, of disciplinary uh, fields caught my attention. I like a lot uh, automatic process control. Uh, I have been working in that space as well as in the space of, of separations and mass transfer. So I started looking into that, but then as plans got postponed and I, I uh, served as a head, um, 
I start experiencing uh, from both students and faculty that as the more the university pushed towards more research, the more the students would um, think or feel that faculty were more interested in the research than in teaching, not only interested, but also prepared. So they would say things like, uh, you can tell this person knows a lot, but they just don't know how to teach it, or they rather be in a lab doing experiments than in this classroom teaching. Uh, and faculty like myself who had a strong interest toward teaching also started feeling like, okay, I this is what I want to do, but the university seems to be more interested in, in me doing this. So how can I really um, like stop feeling this, this dividedness of, of me wanting to do something, but the university pulling me in a different direction? So I was processing these uh, feelings and thoughts. I had the fortune to meet Ali Magaña, uh, faculty from Purdue, uh, the technology um, of the Polytechnic. And she was there for a short workshop on uh, computer information technologies applied to education. That's how I learned about Purdue. Uh, and that's how I learned about Purdue Engineering Education Program. Um, so once I, Ali had brought with her some flyers and, and booklets, uh, so as, as soon as I got those in my hands and started reading, I realized, well, this is it. This is what I, what I really want to do. I want to uh, get a PhD, but I don't want to become one more name on that list of knows a lot but doesn't know how to teach it. I want to do something different. Um, and my idea of what engineering education was at that point might have been a little biased, maybe too much towards just uh, quality teaching. But I'm happy. I discovered once I came here that was just that was just a part of it. Um, so that eventually it's what brought me here. Mm -hmm. And again, Ali and I, I should say, probably call her Alejandra to give her the full credit. Um, she and I then became your co-advisors and um, work very well together and both feel very lucky to have known you. Thank you. And, and that yeah worked perfectly for me, too, because you, the three of us were different people, of course. Uh, the two of you have very different styles, but everything seemed just to fit in terms of being very complimentary. Um, I never felt like thorn between two advisors asking me for completely different things. I just felt I had people to complimentarily fulfill my uh, academic needs, my need for mentorship and, and even emotional needs. So um, you describe quite well feeling torn about teaching and research. And I know that was a driving force in the topic of your dissertation. So maybe um, I know from experience that when you're a couple days away from depositing or away and that you've done it a couple of days ago depositing your dissertation, that sometimes the thought of speaking about it for a while is rather <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> or not terrifying, but just like, I'm so over it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a wonderful segue here to uh, speak a bit about it. So can you pick up a bit of you're thinking about this tension mm -hmm. and then a, kind of the, the quick version of how that became your dissertation topic. Absolutely. 
So first, I, I just want to call attention to the fact that in describing my story, I use the word dividedness, which is not mine. As you know, it's borrowed from the literature that I used to inform my dissertation. Uh, we may come back to that later. Uh, but you're right. So when I came here, um, and, and of course, as I prepare my essays and, and uh, myself in general to come here and what is it that I'm going to do, I was uh, uh, propelled by this uh, feeling that I was all of a sudden in a space where I didn't want to be because I love being a teacher and all of a sudden I'm forced to be someone else that I that I'm not and that I didn't know how to be I, I was not prepared to be a researcher so that certainly uh, sparked some rage if you will uh, and, and all of a sudden I was like I need to um, make the arguments, the informed arguments to tell these people why what we're doing might not be the best thing to do, or at least we need to inform ourselves better and make this in a proper way. So anyway, I came here with the idea, no, there is a tension between teaching and research because I have experienced it myself firsthand, so it must exist because I have seen some of my colleagues also struggling with it. So. I have there my anecdotal evidence that it does exist. Now, how can I prove that that exists and, and that it's important to, to pay attention to it? So with that idea in mind, I uh, came here, started doing my first uh, lead reviews and just trying to find literature about it. And quick enough, uh, I discovered that I am not the same one who has experience or thought about this, uh, that there is a lot of literature uh, that refer to this as the teaching research nexus or the tension between teaching and research. Um, so I was glad I could find that, but then also it became evident that I have uh, bumped into something just too big uh, for me to tackle, um, both in an academic uh, and in a professional way. Meaning that a dissertation around this topic, it seems unmanageable and can causing change at the level that this requires to be really changing at that point seemed like an impossible uh, endeavor for me. So I didn't get uh, discouraged or anything. I, I just realized, okay, let me find an aspect of this that is... Um, Mm, tangible enough that I, I can really touch and, and explore uh, and perhaps looking at that part and, and changing something in that part I could spark or, or could foster uh, the, the bigger change that would be required to uh, get where I imagine uh, we should be in terms of, of how we uh, mm, handle as individuals those demands of, of teaching and research. And that's when I started stop looking at institutions and institutions trying to advance their policies, their uh, promotion and reward systems to foster more research, and started looking at the individual level, at the individual stories, and in the work I did with you, uh, with uh, Dr. Nicole Peterson, Dr. Robin Adams. Um, which I'm only using the doctor now to be respectful, but they're <laughs> just my friends. <laughs> so, uh, as I was working with them, I discovered the value of individual stories and uh, how powerful they can be. And so, so I decided, okay, maybe this is something that I, I can really look into, see what 
other faculty in Colombia think and have experienced in, in terms of this uh, so-called dividedness? How, how have they experienced this? And, um, and yeah, that started giving me a, a place to move to. And then I was lucky enough to have the chance to go uh, deliver workshops in Colombia for engineering faculty. And these were workshops where faculty would attend voluntarily. Uh, so it's reasonable to believe that these people had an intrinsic interest in, in improving their teaching, that the workshops were about instructional design and evidence-based uh, practices, um, um, teaching practices. So as I was having the chance to interact with these people, I discovered that yes, some, some of the struggles that I had myself were there, but it was something else. They, they had a different way to approach it, and I was trying to see what, what was one of the, what was the, the major difference in our experiences. Uh, and then I think the hint came at the end of our first workshop when we expected that faculty would feel much better prepared now to uh, embrace their role as teachers since we had been preparing them for 20 hours over a week. And when we asked them, how do you feel uh, in a pre-post test, what we discovered is that actually the ratings went down. So now people, after spending a week and 20 hours with us, they felt less prepared to be teaching. So we said, okay, either we did a terrible job, we just, you know, we just messed up these poor people, or something happened here that we were not anticipating. And as we was, were looking at some open-ended uh, answers to open-ended questions, we discovered that um, people had been, had changed their way they looked at teaching because now they thought before they thought they were doing a, a job say a four or five in a scale from zero to five at being teachers but now that they had more information on what teaching entails and, and how scholarly teaching can be done all of a sudden they felt like oh well maybe I'm not as good as I thought so now they were aware they were more informed therefore they put themselves a little behind in that scale <laughs> so that got me thinking okay so how can we actually make a case for the relevance of teaching as a scholarly function if we as faculty ourselves cannot really make a case for the scholarly for the scholarship of teaching? Um, if we ourselves are, are not, maybe we're convinced uh, of it, but we don't have the language or um, the words to describe what that is. So that's when I decided to narrow down even more my dissertation topic and look into conceptions of teaching that this engineering faculty held. Uh, with the hope that by looking at those, then you could make professional development efforts uh, that that would help them uh, enhance those conceptions and make a better case as to why teaching matters and why scholarly teaching is, is m way more than simply standing in, a front, in front of a group of students explaining what it's uh, on a slide. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that kind of encapsulates my dissertation. So, on Sunday, I guess, yes. you're flying back home, and in just a couple of weeks after that, you're going to be starting work again. July the 7th. July the 7th. Uh, people will probably hear this a bit after that, so they can be sending you good vibes back in Medellin. Thank you, people. <laughs> How do you think you will be different and what would you like how would you like to impact 
your institution and more broadly engineering education in Colombia when you go back? Okay. Um, so the first thing I want to do, and this is something that also came from the workshops, is work with faculty um, that, like me, had been very passionate about teaching their whole lives, uh, and that even uh, despite the resistance, or, or not resistance, the lack of recognition they have found for their uh, teaching and their efforts in improving their teaching, have been doing so in the past five, ten years, always finding ways to um, better better assess their students, to better, um, you know, transmit or deliver their content. I don't like those two words, but <laughs> let's, let's stay with those for now. So I would love to work with this faculty in, in helping them see that what they have been doing, it's, it's actually a, a way of approaching the scholarship of teaching and learning, and that that's something that it's worth um, documenting properly, like informing from the, from the get-go uh, with proper literature, executing with uh, quality, and then publishing. Um, because my idea, and this is also something that I had since I came here, but of course became more and more, um, in my mind at least, became more clear, better elaborated, is this idea that doing uh, engineering education research can be a way to impact both those teaching and research outcomes that universities like Yafit are, um, you know, setting their goals uh, into. So I would love to do that. I would love to work with this faculty with the wonderful ideas they have had, with all this uh, passion and the motivation they already have, uh, and just give them enough elements of theory and literature and research and uh, journals and, and how can we turn this into something that it's going to make you active in both systems and, mm -hmm. and get you also the recognition, not only the personal satisfaction that you're getting, but also the recognition that perhaps you are not getting mm -hmm. um, as, at this point. That's kind of my uh, plan A, mm -hmm. or, or at least my more immediate plan. Um, then, before coming here, I know that at least four Colombian universities had already started like serious centers for excellent teaching or equivalents. Um, and I would like to um, be the contact person in Yafit so we can start collaborating with those centers. We, we can start networking, uh, having in Yafit a similar place, um, and, and then become allies with all those people who have already uh, started, because I, I must acknowledge that I am by far not the first person who is going to bring these ideas to Colombia. Um, so yes, I think it's very important to recognize what's there, what, what exists, and how can we engage as, as an institution with that um, movement that has been already started. So that, that's a huge thing. Now, there is another thing, uh, and you said I should use the space to advertise things, so here we go. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> There is this idea that has been uh, running around, I think, since three or four years uh, about starting a doctoral program in engineering education as, as a mm, consortium of, uh, I don't remember now, maybe 10, 12 Colombian universities in different regions, different cities. 
and I think the idea in and of itself, it's it's enticing. It, it seems pretty, yeah, pretty, it, it has a good appeal. But when I first knew about that idea, I think a lot of the of the you know the content behind the, that supports the whole endeavor was perhaps lacking rigor. Um, recently, I was pinged by by the dean of engineering at Eafit about this and and how could I help him um, become enamored of the idea. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I thought, I didn't tell him. I think if he ever listens to this, he's gonna find out. <laughs> the first thing I thought is, well, you know, it's hard because to do that, I should be enamored myself. And quite frankly, I'm not. So. So I'm trying to to see how can we maybe take more than one step back uh, and remake, redesign that idea and see how can we organize ourselves and then ask for the help. I I think it's phenomenal that I, um, you know, that I have made these network, networks at Purdue. So when things like that happen in Colombia, I can always come back and reach out. But I need to know what exactly am I reaching out for? Because they tried that in the past. They tried that a year ago, but they had no idea what exactly they were looking for. And of course, people here were like, yeah, we're, that's great. That sounds count on us, but exactly for what they couldn't tell Um, so I really want to give it a try to understanding what exactly uh, are the underpinnings of this idea and how I can help it become a reality uh, engaging Colombian institutions Purdue and you know whatever partners and allies we can find that makes sense to bring in well I know you will be a very very good catalyst for these efforts in Colombia as well as maybe all of South America and Ooh. next the world. Why oh not? Right? Yes. I'm dizzy now. <laughs> a catalyst. I like that word. Catalyst. As a chemical engineer. Exactly. You know, it's a good that's a good word. Um, do you have any closing remarks you'd like to make to the listeners? Maybe people considering making a big change like this or um, well, my closing remark, and this is completely based on my own experience, um, is that I think personal experiences, um, personal challenges and struggles are definitely a good source of ideas for change. Um, but they need to be compared and contrasted with I, I, I wouldn't say reality, but with what else is going on out there? What else other people like you are thinking and feeling and experiencing before you can take action? Because acting only on the your own anecdotal experience, information, um, you know, might be a misinformed effort. So, yes, I, I guess what I'm trying to say here, it, it's good to have those, it's good to, to have those moments where you're very passionate about something, uh, but then kind of put on hold that passion and really look into, okay, what exactly is it that I'm feeling and, and what else it's out there uh, so I can better understand this situation and, and suggest 
um, ways of going about it that makes sense for most, not just for me and my rage or frustration or happiness or whatever is it that is fueling me. Mm-hmm. So kind of having a balance of being super in touch with your own experience of it, but also having some moments where you pull back a bit and analyze and see more broadly what's happening and then perhaps I, engage again. Yeah. I couldn't have put it better. Thank you. That's why I'm your advisor. Exactly. <laughs> still. still. See, I deposited. You are still my advisor. I still, I will be always. Yes. That never goes away. Oh, no. <laughs> I owe you a, um, a printed dissertation for your yes. bookshelf. Yes, I, I yes, haven't you do. forgotten about that. Yes. just wanted to, you know, put it in record that okay. I haven't forgotten about that. Yes. Yes. Um, and I will be very, very happy to put it up on my shelf. Except and that I'm not going to be around to do it. So. Well, I'll send you a picture. <laughs> um, you will always be a very dear colleague and friend. And I know that you'll do wonderful things in Colombia. And um, you will inspire others as well. So thank you very much. Thank you very much, Ruth. I appreciate your words, and I hope I can live up to that expectation. Thank you. Research Briefs is produced by the School of Engineering Education at Purdue. Thank you to Patrick Vogt for composing our theme music. A transcript of this podcast can be found by Googling Purdue Engineering Education Podcast. And please check out my blog, ruthstreveler.wordpress.com.